You're listening to Leading and Learning. This is the place where we talk about practical leadership, theology, fitness, how to create winning habits, and so much more. My name is David Spell, and I'm a retired police officer, a pastor, a New Testament scholar, and a leadership coach. My goal on leading and learning is to help you live your best life. Thanks so much for joining us today. Welcome back to Leading and Learning. This is episode number 370, Leadership Lessons from the Apostle Paul, Part 3. So we've been pulling some some leadership material, some leadership principles, some things that we can see in Paul's ministry, and we've been examining them over the last couple of episodes. If you haven't heard Parts 1 and 2, I encourage you to go back and listen to them. I think you'll find them to be very, very helpful. But I want to wrap it up today, and I'm going to talk about Paul as a communicator. You know, I think one of the things that in some circles is often underrated as a leadership quality is communication skills. Um, You might have even worked for a leader who who didn't communicate very well. When I was working for the police department, we had a, a, a guy who eventually made the rank of major, and he would send out emails to, to the department or to the people who were working in his, his area that he was the, the major over, and it, it was embarrassing. It was misspelled words, uh, bad grammar, and I mean, really, it was like, uh, bro, couldn't you have just taken a minute to maybe like proofread it? But, uh, you know, embarrassing, and, 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 you know, it really undermines our credibility as a leader if I can't communicate well. And we're going to be talking about written and verbal communications and how important they are. You know, when we look at Paul, we see him as a powerful communicator. And this ability to communicate clearly really uh, enhanced his leadership. Um, We're going to start with his verbal communications. Now, I'm going to be kind of in in the context, talking in the context of him addressing groups of people. Um, Conversational type communication, that's that's a different animal, although that's very, very important for a leader. The art of listening is very, very important for a leader. But, but in the context today, I really want to talk about Paul's uh, speaking, his preaching, his teaching to different groups. And um, I'm going to give you three E words that maybe will help you um, remember this and kind of drive these points home. Um, when we, we, we see Paul speaking, obviously we don't have any um, you know, video of him. He doesn't have anything on YouTube. Uh, but we do have a number of his messages that have been recorded for us in the book of Acts, in the Acts of the Apostles. There's several of his messages that are recorded, and they're either the entire messages or edited versions of the message. But at the same, either way, you get the, the sense of how Paul preached, how he taught, and how he communicated with groups of people. So, so let's talk about that. Let's talk about these these messages, and let's let me give you these three E words. First of all, the first one is entertaining. You know, it's interesting when we talk about preaching and teaching that 
If you use the word entertainment, that's considered a bad word in the context of preaching and teaching. And the the, the more religious of, of, of my friends would, would say that, you know, you don't go to church to be entertained. And I would respond, they're 100% right. We go to fellowship with God. We go to worship God and to fellowship with our brothers and sisters. However, if a message, if a Sunday school lesson, if a Bible study, if a sermon doesn't have entertaining qualities to hold my attention, I'm probably not going to get anything out of it. If if you've ever done youth ministry, you know how important being entertaining is. And I would dare say my friends who are saying that, you know, a pastor shouldn't worry about trying to entertain an audience, um, you know, hasn't done youth ministry because it's hard enough to hold teenagers' attention span as it is. So you've got to be able to package that message. The The message doesn't change. The gospel is the same and has been the same for 2,000 years. But how do we package it? How do we package it so that it's 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 entertaining and it's something that people want to listen to? Uh, it says that the, the Roman governor Felix enjoyed listening to Paul. Well, uh, Paul made his defense before him in Acts, and um, you actually get several places where Paul was actually able to you know, defend himself before the Roman authorities. And it says that, that Felix enjoyed listening to Paul, and, and so he would call for him often and ask Paul to speak so that he could hear these messages. So, so there's nothing wrong with, with cultivating a style that's entertaining, that, that maybe uses some humor, maybe some storytelling, but, but you know how to, to, to frame a message and put a message together that's going to keep people entertained. And then the second word is very similar. It's engaging, but I think with engaging, um, there's a couple of other specific things that we can look at. You know, the thing with Paul, he was able to even hold the attention of his enemies. We see at least two places in, in, in Acts where Paul gave messages to hostile crowds, and yet we see that the crowd listened intently. Here's an example. Um, when he was in Athens, he spoke at the, the the council where all the philosophers and leaders of the city would gather, and they asked him to, to speak so they could hear this new philosophy that he was sharing. And, 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 and you know, basically, he was able to keep them on the edge of their seats because of how he shared. Listen to just a snippet of what Paul did. Um, So Paul, standing before the council, addressed them as follows. Men of Athens, I notice that you are very religious in every way. For as I was walking along, I saw your many shrines or idols. And one of the altars had this inscription on it, to an unknown God. This God whom you worship without knowing is the one I'm telling you about. He's the God who made the world and everything in it. And since he's the Lord of heaven and earth and doesn't live in man-made temples, and human hands can't serve his needs, for he has no needs, he himself gives life and breath to everything and satisfies every need. And then further on, um, he, he says this, he says, For in him we live and move and exist, as some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. And since this is true, we shouldn't think of God as an idol designed by craftsmen from gold and silver. And he continues to, he goes on from there. But that gives you an idea. He he starts at a place of common ground. 
First of all, he he commends them. He compliments them. He he, he says, "You guys are, are religious. You're spiritual, and 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 you know, going in and just beating people up is not going to you know attract anybody or make friends." So he he says, "Yeah, I can see you're very religious." And I saw a, an idol that that said to an unknown god because you know in the Greek and Roman world they really wanted to cover all the bases. So you know they had many different gods, many different idols, and. Um, but you know, maybe there was one they hadn't thought about. So they had an idol to an unknown God. And, and Paul uses this as the starting place for his message and, and, and really engage the philosophers. He said, you've got this idol to an unknown God. Let me tell you about him. Let me tell you about the true God who's not listed in all your idols here, who's not represented. And let me, let me give you the, the, the story on the true God who made heaven and earth and all of us. So very, very powerful and, and, and brilliant way to share a message. Another place where Paul was seen as engaging was it, it, there was a riot in Jerusalem. The, 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 the Jews, the religious Jews, the anti-Christian Jews thought that Paul had defamed or defrauded or, or, or um, defiled the temple and, by bringing a Gentile in. So they were beating him up until the Romans rushed in and rescued him and saved his life, really. And as the, the Romans are carrying him out uh, over the crowd so they wouldn't beat him up, he, he said, look, can I speak to the crowd? And the centurion thought, well, I mean, you know, it's your life. And so he let him stand on the stairs in uh, one of the buildings, and, and, and Paul began to speak to this hostile crowd. And when he spoke to them in their language, in Aramaic, they immediately were silent, and they listened. And Paul started this message by simply sharing his story. He shared what he had experienced, how he had grown up to be one of the, the, the most religious, legalistic Jews who had ever lived, and how he was so zealous for Judaism that he had persecuted Christianity. But then he had had an encounter with Jesus. And, and the crowd is now listening. They're, they're on the edge of their, their, their... Well, they're not sitting, but, but they're on the edge of their seats if they were sitting. And, and, and they're, they're listening to what Paul's saying. They're, they're engaged. He's, he, he's drawn them into his story. And they listen to the entire message until the very end when he starts talking about his calling to take the, the gospel to, to those who aren't Jews, to take it to the Greeks. That infuriated them, and then they began throwing stuff at him again. But entertaining and engaging. But I tell you, another thing that Paul did that made him such a brilliant communicator um, with, with, with his speaking and, and preaching and teaching was he was encouraging. You know, a friend spoke to a friend recently, and he reminded me of something I said, and I'm sure I didn't invent it. Somebody else probably said it before I did. But um, at some point, I had said something to the effect that, that encouragement is like oxygen to the soul. And it really is. We all need encouragement. You know, society is a tough place. The, the world's a rough place. I mean, we get beat up. Uh, it, 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 it's, it's a, we live in difficult days, and encouragement can be hard to find. And when you find encouragement, you just want to breathe it in. And Paul was this wonderful, wonderful encourager. When you read his messages, he he doesn't beat people up. He he tells them about the hope that's available to them, the 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 hope that's available. You know, the the fact that they can have new life in Jesus and how powerful and important that is. And so Paul was always looking for ways to encourage because he knew that encouragement would ultimately turn people's hearts towards God. One great place that we see this is he was on a ship with almost 300 people 
and had for, for over two weeks had been caught in this vicious, violent storm on the Mediterranean. This is his last trip in the book of Acts. Um, he's on his way to Rome to stand trial before Nero. And he's in the custody of the Roman soldiers. They're taking him to Rome where he'll stand trial. But yet this ship is caught in this terrible storm and it's driven without control across the Mediterranean for over two weeks. And finally, before everything finally comes to a head, Paul stands up and he, 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 he shares an encouraging message. He said, listen, don't be afraid. We're all going to survive. Now, for people who think they're about to be shipwrecked and drowned, this was something to hold on to. And he, he said, listen, I've been praying. And, and the God who I serve sent an angel to speak to me. And he said, Paul, don't be afraid. God's going to take care of you, but he's also going to spare everyone that you're traveling with. Well, how encouraging is that? So Paul had a, had a moment in the midst of this crisis to share a message that was encouraging and uplifting. And uh, ultimately, the ship was uh, shipwrecked on a, on a sandbar, and, uh, but it was at an island, and they survived, and he eventually did make it to, to Rome for his defense before Nero. Now, here's a question for you. How do you develop your verbal communication skills. Let me just throw a couple things out there. Take a class. Um, take a public speaking class. There's plenty available online, uh, you know, a junior college nearby. There's so many great opportunities where you can take a class and develop your public speaking skills. There's, there's plenty of things online that you can use, but get some training and get the principles down on how to do it. And then practice. Look for opportunities to talk, um, to share. Maybe it's a Bible study. You know, volunteer to teach a Sunday school class. Um, volunteer to serve in kids. Listen, if you can develop your verbal communication skills with kids, with children, adults are easy. Um, study how other people speak. I love listening to my pastor and other pastors, and I'm always learning how they put their messages together and what they're sharing and how they, they present their message. I'm always learning. I'm always studying others. And then listen to yourself. When you speak, always listen to yourself. So I've, got, I've got people who are friends that every now and then they'll give a talk and, and I'll ask them if they'll listen to it. Oh, no, no, I can't listen to myself. It's just too embarrassing. I'm like, are you nuts? That's the only way you're going to get better is going back and listening to yourself. I always listen to myself speak. Um, and I always find something that I can say, you know what, I could have done that better. I could have told that story better. I could have, um, you know, really um, done a better job in presenting this point. And then one last thing, if, if you aspire to be a public speaker, learn how to tell good stories. You know, this, I think, is one of, again, one of the underrated things about public communication skills. If you tell a good story, Everybody is going to enjoy listening to you. Um, it just goes without saying. If you can tell a story, people may not remember the point of your message, but they may very well remember that story. Well, don't go away. We'll be right back. I wanted to let you know that this episode of Leading and Learning is brought to you by my book, Peter and Paul in Acts, and actually this is a twofer, Peter and Paul in Acts and New Testament Snapshots. Peter and Paul in Acts was my first book. It's a handbook 
uh, on the book of Acts. And we deal with the, the, the apostolic ministries of Peter. We deal with the apostolic ministry of Paul. In fact, some of this material is actually coming from that book on, on uh, Paul's apostolic ministry and his leadership and how he was able to be so effective in the first century as he took the gospel message throughout the Roman Empire. And then also New Testament snapshots. Um, again, some of this material comes from New Testament snapshots because I pull um, really the 12 of the, the most eminent but unknown people out of the, the, the New Testament. I mean, the New Testament's full of people we know, Jesus and Peter and Paul and um, so many other great John uh, others, but, but there's so many other guys and girls that maybe we haven't spent a lot of time studying or looking into. And New Testament snapshots tells their story. So click on these two great books. I know you'll love them, and I know they will help you. All right, well, we're back. We've talked about Paul's Paul, talking about Paul the communicator. We've talked about his speaking skills, his teaching, his preaching. Now I want to talk about his written communications. Paul the writer. You know, I mentioned my, my, my friend who was in a position of leadership in the police department, how he would send out emails that were embarrassingly bad. And, and I wished I could say he was the only one, but sadly, this is repeated every day in government agencies and businesses. And, you know, listen, learning how to communicate well in writing is an important thing. Um, you know, people judge you on that first impression. If, and if, if that first impression is a poorly written email with misspelled words, um, they're going to judge you for it. Does it make it right? No, but it's reality. And so learning how to write and express yourself well in writing is something that every leader needs to learn. Now, one, one day maybe you'll be the CEO. One day maybe you'll be the senior pastor, and you'll have somebody who can help you write, who can put things together for you. I've known many leaders who um, weren't that great at writing, but they had people around them who could help them. And there is nothing at all wrong with that. But the main thing is either find somebody who can help you or learn to do it yourself. So let me talk about Paul's letters. Now think about this. The first century, travel was difficult. You couldn't just hop on a plane and go visit one of the churches or one of the cities where Paul had churches planted. Uh, travel was difficult. It was long. It was dangerous. So often what he would do was he would be to write a letter to these churches. In fact, in the New Testament, 13 letters are written by the Apostle Paul. Um, we have one, two, three, four that are written to individuals, and then we have nine that are written to churches. And these letters are powerful, they're impactful, and we still read them today. But what's interesting is these weren't the only letters Paul wrote. He, we know for a fact he wrote many more than this because he refers to them, but they were lost to time. But thank God we have at least these 13 that we can read and learn from. So first of all, let me give you, four, give you three E's before when we talked about his speaking. He was entertaining, engaging, and encouraging. Well, for his writing, I'm going to give you four C's. First of all, he was clear. Paul... When he wrote a letter, you knew what he was writing about. It's not, some of his letters can be a little hard to understand, but there's never any question about what the overarching, overriding theme is. Um, a great example is his letter to the Galatians. Uh, 
these guys had been essentially fed false doctrine and had bought into it and had in many ways walked away from the simplicity of the gospel of Christ. And when you read the letter of the Galatians, it's very, very clear what Paul's talking about. When you're writing an email or you're writing something else, are you making it clear? Maybe you've been asked to write a vision statement for your business or your your, your church, or you've been asked to, to write some policies. Um, whatever it is, whatever you're writing, make it clear. You don't have to use big words. You don't have to use fancy English. It just needs to be clear. Is somebody, when they pick this up, are they going to immediately know what this is about? Number two, Paul, believe it or not, was concise. I mean, think about some of these letters. They're 16 chapters long. Romans and 1 Corinthians are both 16 chapters long. These are long letters, but they're concise in what he was trying to do. When you look at Corinthians, the the first letter to the Corinthians, he's writing to deal with several different issues, problems in the church. Um, He's dealing with questions that had been uh, presented to him from the church. And so he's actually very concise in how he deals with them. There's just a lot of things he has to deal with. So his answers are concise, they're clear, and he does a good job. Now, now this is really important in an email. Um, People don't want to read long emails. If you're a very verbose person, if you like to, to really say everything about everything every time, understand most people don't appreciate that. Most people, there's some. But most people want something short and concise. When I get an email, I'm scanning it. What's the point? What do I need to do? And what are they asking me to do? What action are they asking me for? I don't want to read a three-page email. So learning to be concise, get to the point, and let's move on. Number three, connected. We've done clear, we've done concise, and now we're doing connected. Paul connected with his audience. The way he did this in almost each of his, almost every one of his letters, he mentions people in the church and gives shout-outs. He, he, he'll mention friends, he'll mention co-workers, and he'll talk about these people. In fact, read Romans 16. It's just this fascinating chapter where Paul shouts out person after person that he has that he knows in the Roman church. He hasn't even been there before. But yet he knows so many people there. And he has all these great things to say. He says, um, uh, Greet my, give my greetings to Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in the ministry of Christ. In fact, they once risked their lives for me. I'm thankful to them, and so are all the Gentile churches. Also give my greetings to the church that meets in their home. These are good friends of Paul, but obviously communication is not easy. So he's just rekindling the relationship there and just sending greetings to people who are good friends. And over and over again, he sends greetings. Um, He'll give greetings from the team later in that same chapter. He says, Timothy, my fellow worker, sends you his greetings, as do Lucius, Jason, and Sosatapar, my fellow Jew. So so here, he's got other part members of his team who are just through the letter kind of sharing their greetings as well. So he's, he's connecting. He, he's giving these personal mentions. And then in other places, he'll even remind them, hey, you remember when I was with you and I, I, I spoke on this? Or, hey, remember when I was there and, and we did this? Or, remember when I was there and we were dealing with this issue? 
And, and so he, he's constantly wanting to, to connect with his audience. And obviously, as, as, as people who um, still have to use written communications, we should be looking to do the same thing. How can I connect with my, with my audience? And then obviously, Paul's letters were also compelling. They were compelling. They were so compelling that we're still reading them 2,000 years later. They were, they were written to deal with important things. One of the things that Paul did in almost every one of his letters is he deals with doctrine, and then he deals with actual practical living. Doctrine, because the New Testament had been written yet. How should we live as Christians? Remember, he's writing to a Greek audience who had limited knowledge of the Jewish God. And so when it came to morality, when it came to worshiping idols, when it came to lifestyle, there were many things that the the Jewish or the the Gentile Christians, the, the Greek Christians, had no idea that they were supposed to do. So Paul in his letters would talk about the importance of living a pure and holy life. He would talk about our relationships with each other. He would talk about relationships between the sexes, how, how we should treat our slaves, how we should treat our wives, how wives should treat their husbands, how we should treat our children, because he was establishing a, a, a Christian ethic, which up to that point hadn't been established. But he also was giving the doctrine. Who was Jesus? Why did he die? Um, what, why was the resurrection from the dead so important? What's going to happen at the end of times? What, what is, what's going to happen to me when I die? Why is baptism important? All these other important doctrinal things. Um, and he spent a lot of time talking about the importance of the church as well. So Paul's letters were compelling. They were always talking about things that were important, so much so that we still read them today. Well, here's a question for you. How can you develop your written communication skills? Well... First of all, just write. Write, write, write. Um, if you want to be a writer, you got to write. If you don't want to be a writer, that's fine. But look for opportunities to develop your skills because as a leader, you're going to have to use them from time to time. Take a class. Take a creative writing class. Those are awesome. Probably some online you could find that would really be a helpful thing for you. When you do write something, whether it's an, an email or a policy or uh, a letter or whatever it is that you've been asked to write, use your grammar tools. You know, Word, other you know, uh, writing softwares have all these great tools that you can use for grammar and spelling. And I'm always amazed when I get something and it's obvious they haven't spell checked it or used grammar check. Use these tools. It'll make you a better writer and it'll make you look really smart. And then ask someone else to read it. You know, I'm a writer. I've written 15, 16 books. I'm working on another one now. I always have someone help me revise and edit it because I don't see all the typos. I get a lot of them, but but I'm always missing typos. It's just the nature of being a writer. And so don't think you're going to miss them. Um, you, you, I mean, don't think you're, you're going to get them all. You're not. You're not going to get them all. Have somebody else help you by reading it. You'll be glad you did. All right, well, I'm going to wrap it up there. Um, I hope this was helpful to you, and what we will do is start a new series next week. But I want to thank you for being with me on the journey. Uh, take a minute and go to davidspell.com. While you're there, make sure you sign up to get my free newsletter. By all means, click on the resource highlights, Peter and Paul and Acts, 
and New Testament snapshots because I know they will help you. Friends, thank you so much. We'll see you next week on Leading and Learning. Thank you.